my plea for TCU tomorrow, my hope, is that they just go out there and play with great energy and effort and, like, play loose with no expectations. I'll explain more about what I mean by that next. It's Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right, Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe on those platforms as well. Rate and review the show. You can tweet at me, at Simcox. Stephen, the show is at Locked On TCU. Texas and TCU, tomorrow night, Saturday night, in Amon G. Carter Stadium. And I was thinking about this today. It's been kind of a negative week. And, I mean, I I never set out, like, people think I have an agenda one way or the other. I really don't. I mean, like, I, I want TCU to win. So I guess that's my agenda. But I try to set out each week and be as objective as I can be and see where the team is. I'm not super hopeful for tomorrow. I think, you know, the the advantage that Texas has up front on the offensive defensive line um, is just going to be too much to overcome. And they look like a complete football team. But obviously, I hope I'm wrong. And news did come down yesterday, so I'll officially update this because I believe the crossover episode I did with Jonathan uh, Davis yesterday was released before this news came down. Quinn Ewers is going to start. He's going to end up playing. He'll be the starter, according to Steve Sarkeesian. So he's healthy enough to play. Um, and I think that does make a difference. I mean, I still feel like we're going to get a heavy dose of Jonathan Brooks, the Texas running back. And if they run the ball successfully and they don't have to throw the ball a lot, I don't think they're going to do that. But with Ewers, I feel like the big advantage for Texas is he takes care of the ball well. And he does have a good rapport, especially with Jatavian Sanders, um, Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell. Uh, We'll see if Jordan Wainton gets more involved this week. I don't know how they're going to handle it. But I would I would think that Texas is going to still try to run the ball, be successful, be efficient. And uh, Quinn kind of cuts down the possibility of silly mistakes that you might see from Malik Murphy. Not because Murphy's not a good player, but just because he's young and he hasn't had a lot of college experience. Now, last year, TCU sold out to stop the run, and they did a really good job, and they forced Quinn to throw the football. And even when he had opportunities to make plays he didn't uh but this seems like a more mature and better quarterback that they're facing um this go around on saturday night and really just with a more complete team around him here's my big hope for this football team tomorrow i just hope they play loose i mean the season has not gone to plan uh and we can sit here and wring our hands of it all day and lament it but bottom line is you have an opportunity you got an opportunity to go put up a good showing against a really good football team on a national stage and if you could find a way to win it's not going to solve everything, but if you could win the next two weeks and make a bowl game and you have a signature winning against Texas, if you up in their playoff hopes and potentially the Big 12 championship hopes, that would be that would be a big deal. And that would be something that the team could take with them, the fan base could take with them. Because, yeah, beating Texas is still a big thing. And this is a better team than they've had in a long time. So, I, I mean, I don't feel like there's a lot of pressure on TCU. Um, obviously a lot of the things they had in mind to play for before the season are sort of off the table. So the only thing you're playing for now is postseason and just kind of the pride factor and the ability to show, like, I think this would be a step forward in showing, okay, we're still moving in the right direction with this coaching staff, with this core of players. 
And yeah, there's some things to clean up, but um, there's there's light at the end of the tunnel. And so I want to see a team that's aggressive. And it's kind of contradictory because I've, I've been critical at times, especially of Kendall Bryles and getting too cute. But if you don't think that your O-line can block these great defensive tackles up front, which I would probably agree with you, well, then find a way to get around it. You know, use use some misdirection. Use some trickeration. Like, do some things off the beaten path, out of the norm, that are hopefully successful and that allow you to score some points. I discussed, like, hidden points will be a key to this game. You have to find a way to score unexpectedly. The problem is, I mean, special teams-wise, I don't really know. Major Everhart has broken a few kick returns, not for touchdowns, but at least for long gains. But your punt return with J.P. Richardson, I know he's kind of got not forced in that situation necessarily, but he wasn't the player they had in mind at the start of the season to return punts. I mean, he's really more of a guy that's just going to catch it and make sure that the ball's secure and that the offense has a chance to get on the field. Um, but maybe there's some things you can do offensively that are different and a little unique and that will catch them off guard and flat-footed and you can score. And if you get down in the red zone, you have to capitalize. You have to be aggressive. Probably going to have to go for it on fourth downs, but you need to capitalize and find a way to score touchdowns. And then defensively, I mean, what do you have to lose by bringing extra pressure? You get burned down the field. I mean, it, I just feel like if you sit back and play in your normal base front, they're going to run all over you and they're going to do what they want. So, like, Joe Gillespie, come with it. You know, you like bring some guys from different angles, bring some extra pressure. Throw some different looks at Quinn Ewers. This is the game to do it. You're not going to win just sitting back and hoping that he makes mistakes. And unless your team rallies the ball and tackles soundly, which is not something they've shown they can do consistently, and are physical to the point of attack like they were last year, you're not going to be able to just allow them to, to run the ball and stop that and then have opportunities to stop the pass over the top. You have to be more aggressive than that. That's what I want to see. Don't play scared. Don't play with this ability of like, well, hope we don't lose. I mean, nobody's expecting you to win the football game. So go get after it. Do some different things. Do some unique things. And let's just see where we stand at the end of the ball game. But that's my big hope for, for Saturday night. And yeah, the keys to the game, you got to find a way to win the turnover battle. You have to be efficient in the red zone. You have to stop Texas when they get down there. And I think, honestly, you have to hope that maybe Texas just isn't fully ready for the football game. They've done a nice job this year of starting fast, and it seems like there's been games where they kind of coast in the second or third quarter, and suddenly like it's like, oh, and there's a football game being played. That's what happened against Houston. Houston had a chance to go win that game. Got hosed by the officials at the end and just couldn't make enough plays. But Houston played them tough at home. I mean, I, I still think this group is talented. And if they come out there and play with a lot of intensity, then there's a path for them to make this competitive football game and give themselves a chance to win it. But you're not going to do it by just playing vanilla base football as you normally would. You're going to have to do some things that are different and unique to get it done. And so I hope Sonny Dykes and his coaching staff find a way to do that. You know, even... Like, not to compare the two staffs, but I guess I'm going to do it. So that was a useless caveat that I just made. Um, 
even towards the end of Gary's tenure, there was like one game a year where he would just sort of scheme things up and pull a rabbit out of the hat and win. So I'd love, I mean, I'd love to see a week where this coaching staff did that, where they just out schemed the opponent. And maybe that ended up being the BYU game. That was kind of the unexpected game that I don't know if people expected the Frogs to win. They were Vegas favorites, though, and they just won by a lot with Josh Hoover in his first start. Maybe that was the game. But I would love for it to be this week. It would be wonderful if you could go out on top against the Longhorns. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. <clears throat> but you're going to have to do some things differently if you want to get this done. When we come back, there is a new name for a rivalry game. A new name for a TC rivalry game. It's the game against Baylor, and I hate it. We'll talk about that here on Locked Up eBay Motors, if you need parts for your vehicle or you need to fix something on your car, eBay Motors is a place to go. Right parts, right fit, the right prices. That's their guarantee. Passion, drive, and patience. It's what brings home the winning trophy. It's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof rack, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're in speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. Over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with the eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. That's what I love about eBay Motors because I've said this before. I'm not a car guy. It's not my area of expertise. So I'm always kind of, you know, uneasy about, okay, am I getting the right part? Is it going to fit my car? That eBay guaranteed fit gives you the peace of mind to make that decision. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Right parts, right fit, at the right prices. If you need something for your vehicle, eBay Motors is the place to go. So this, uh, this actually came down a few days ago, but yesterday I had that crossover episode with... Um, Locked on Longhorn, so I didn't address it, obviously. TCU and Baylor play next week. And uh, this is one of the few protected rivalries. It's the only protected rivalry that TCU has in the new Big 12. It's one of the few protected rivalries that the Big 12 has decided to keep alive and that these two teams are going to play every year. And I think it's good. I'm curious. What do you guys think about the TCU-Baylor rivalry? I feel like it's kind of lost some of its juice. Like Here's the thing. And I believe I've said this before, so sorry. But that that stretch from like 2013 to 2016, you had all the right ingredients for a rivalry. There was great history between the two schools. Um, for the most part, TCU and Baylor were both good programs, especially 2014, 2015. I mean, we're talking about like teams that were in the national championship picture, good level good. Right. And then even in 2013 and 2012, uh, TCU won in 2012 and 2013. They took Baylor to the wire. You know, even in seasons where TCU was sort of down, and that's this has remained true. Like seasons where TCU was sort of down, they've been able to pull up sets or at least keep the games competitive. It's just a game that the Frogs always get up for. And then Baylor put the, you know, the fear of God into TCU last year, and Frogs went on the bazooka kick at the buzzer. But that stretch between like 2013 and 2016, programs were really good. There was history between the two schools. And the big thing was the two coaching staffs 
hated each other. Okay. I know what they said publicly. I know that, you know, they would try to save it and be like, I oh, know we have a lot. Of... No, they didn't. They did not respect each other. They did not like each other. They didn't get along at all. They didn't want to see each other. I heard stories about how behind the scenes at like Big 12 events, they wouldn't acknowledge each other, wouldn't speak. Like there was legit fire to that, what happened and what went on. Which is obviously ironic now because Kendall Browse is on staff at TCU. When Art Browse gets fired and everything happens and Baylor kind of cleans house, you know, Jim Grobe, I think Jim Grobe and Gary knew each other pretty well. Matt Rule and Gary seemed to have a, a nice level of respect for each other. Same with Dave Aranda. And Dave Aranda and Sonny Dykes continue to seem to have a good relationship and, and a, a level of respect for each other. But I think this is a... So you're missing that part of it. And but I believe because of that, and just because the two schools have kind of been up and down and haven't really matched up in a year where they've both been really good in football in a while, it's taken some of the juice out of the rivalry. But I think it's definitely, you know, TCU's clear rival, and I'm glad that they're going to play this game every year. And it's been unofficially coined the rivalry because of the Christian affiliation, and, you know, it was revived after a long hiatus when TCU was uh, kind of traveling the country, going to different conferences, playing in the Mountain West, the WAC, the USA, right? And I thought that was a great name. Now, the schools didn't necessarily embrace that, like from a branding perspective, but it was there for the fan bases, and I thought it was wonderful. And I, I heard this rumor about a, a few months ago that they were trying to come up with a name for uh, the rivalry, like an official name. And this got floated earlier this week. It was from the Baylor Student Activities Instagram page. They posted a story advertising, hey, Baylor students, you can buy tickets to the TCU game in Fort Worth. There's a limited amount available. Here's the details, right? Well, on that story, there was a picture that referred to the game as the Blue Bonnet Battle. And there's a logo and everything. And it's got the Baylor logo, the TCU logo, a couple Blue Bonnets, the state of Texas in the middle. I hate this name. Like, I typically, with things like this, I'm like, why are you guys getting so riled up? This is a silly reason to get upset. But I, I don't like this name at all. I thought Revivalry made a lot of sense. I thought it sounded good. It was catchy. Blue Bonnet Bowl, to me, is not catchy at all. Or Blue Bonnet Battle, I'm sorry. If I'm going to criticize it, I guess I should at least get it right. But I just don't like it at all. I did have someone reach out to me, an anonymous source, who said that this has been in the works for a while. This is someone who was formerly on the TCU student government. And they say that the TCU and Baylor student governments have been working on this for a few years. Baylor kept pushing it off. Uh, said the vibe they got was that Baylor was basically like, if it's, it's going to be our way or no way at all. They tried to introduce multiple trophies for the game, including a bear trap, a cattle brand in the shape of Texas, a vintage fire extinguisher in reference to the fact that TCU's campus in Waco burned down many moons ago, and then they made the move to Fort Worth. All those are very funny trophy ideas, by the way. I especially like the fire extinguisher idea. All those got rejected. Uh, the student government's returned to the table recently to try to find a name or brand for the rivalry and settled on Blue Bonnet Battle. Um, rivalry was apparently a non-starter. 
And Baylor claims that Blue Bonnet Battle sounds more wholesome, which I don't really get that at all. Of course, this is, you know, this is a source that is, is very close to TCU situation. So take that for what it's worth. But they're alleging that this is all Baylor's doing, and now it's getting leaked, and hopefully the the negative attention or the people that are like, this is a bad name, will lead to uh, a better solution. Which, first of all, thank you to the person that reached out. I appreciate you. Uh, and thank you for that information. I can't get behind the Blue Bonnet battle, man. It sounds bad. It just it doesn't make sense. I think it's clunky. I get this Blue Bonnet's the state of Texas flower, but I don't get any other, like, I don't understand any other affiliation at all. I wonder how this will go, because I know, like, a few years back, uh, Texas and OU dropped Shootout in their rivalry name for uh, political reasons. And I think they transitioned to, like, Red River Showdown, but nobody calls it that. I mean, everybody still calls it either Red River or the Red River Shootout. Um, So, I mean, there's a chance that this is just a corporate thing that nobody really adheres to outside of the officials that have to call it that. Uh, I texted, I, I know the person that broadcasts Baylor games. I used to work with him. And so I reached out to him and I was like, hey, have you been given any uh, instructions on this? And he he didn't really give me much other than, yeah, what what a what an interesting name. Um, so I don't know if they've been told to call it this. Like, I'm not sure if we're going to turn on uh, WBAP in a few weeks and Brian Estridge is going to be calling it the Blue Bonnet Battle. But we'll see what happens. I just, I don't like the name. Give me your suggestions in the YouTube comments if you want. I think it's a very, very silly name, though. And so we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, TCU basketball played last night, and they won again. Team looked good. We'll have a recap of that next on Lockdown Horn Frogs. Jace Medical, you never want to be in an emergency situation or in just a situation where you need medical attention. And maybe you don't want to go to the hospital. Like, Jace Medical also just gives you the options and the autonomy to make these decisions on your own. You can go order a Jace case today. Go to jacemedical.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN for $20 off your purchase. The Jace case has a lot of first aid tools, and um, one thing they have that really sets them apart from the rest is life-saving antibiotics, uh, five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. You can call and get on a phone call with their board-certified physicians to get more information about it, and you get ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment-related questions. is doctor-created, doctor-recommended. Don't be caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves or their loved ones. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication, delivery and ongoing consultation, and care. Um, also, they have a new uh, feature right now where you can get daily medication delivered to your home. So go to jacemedical.com, see if that's an option for you. Again, that promo code is locked on and get $20 off your first order. Be ready for the unexpected or just be ready to take care of yourself in a situation where you have the freedom and autonomy to do that. Um, with the Jace case, jacemedical.com. Talk to their board-certified physicians to get more information. Again, that's Jace Medical and get $20 off with that promo code locked on. TCU basketball is 2-0. They defeat Omaha last night. Uh, at Shalemar Arena, 82-60 to was the final score. Frogs led 43-33 at the half, outscored Omaha by 12 points in the second half. Um, a little bit of a slow start, but for the most part, played well throughout. Guys were in foul trouble again. Very whistle-happy game. 
by the officials. Jacoby Coles was your leading scorer, 21 points, and uh, shot the lights out. Seven of eight from the field, two of two from three. Hit five free throws as well. 21 points, six rebounds, two assists. Jacoby looks great. He looks under control. He's hitting shots from the outside. He's creating his own shot and getting to the rim. Um, Jameer Nelson Jr. was good in limited action. He dealt with some foul trouble. He ended up with 10 points in 25 minutes, 4 of 10 from the field. Micah Peavy was 5 of 8 from the field and had 10 points. Uh, and, again, looked really aggressive and good going to the hoop. Hit like a fallaway jumper on the baseline on an inbounds play. That was impressive. Also had like a nice spin move. He was going to the hoop, uh, spun to his left, went off the glass, just looked confident once again, you know, making plays and, and making things happen. Emmanuel Miller was consistent, 17 points on 8 of 15 shooting. Uh, Ernest Uday hasn't played as much as I thought he would, has been dealing with some foul trouble, but he had 11 rebounds in 13 minutes. Only two points on the season so far. But, man, when he's in the game, he dominates the boards and does some really nice things. Uh, Xavier Court gave some quality minutes as well. They have a lot of options in the front court. Uh, Trey Tennyson came off the bench and had – Three points, not his best shooting night, but he can shoot the ball really well. Uh, Chuck O'Bannon scored four points on the night. Not a great night shooting from three. Three of 15 uh, overall for TCU from beyond the arc. They had 71 shots, so they were able to do a lot of their damage, you know, from, from two-point range, which is uh, which is fine if you can do it that way. And they'll need to hit more outside shots as the composition gets tougher, but, you know, we're not, we're not quite there yet. The one thing that I'll say about this team that I've noticed – and I realize that's hard to make broad proclamations uh, against competition like this. But I will say, last year, they played, you know, a real light non-conference schedule, especially early in the year at home. And they lost a game to Pine Bluff. They had some close calls, you know, uh, in, in, that first, in those first two weeks. And they didn't look like a team that was head and shoulders better than the competition they were playing. This season so far, they've done a good job. I feel like the the thing that looks that stands out to me and that looks different. They're just deeper. Now, again, we'll have to see what happens as the year goes on. That rotation might tighten up a little bit just because you can't play 15 players every night. But at the guard position, there was such a big drop off last season after Mike Miles and Damian Ball. And those guys were great. Tough to replace them. Miles was obviously such a great scorer. Ball was some of the few guys on the team that could create his own shot, and then he was also just an outstanding on-ball defender. But once you got past those two, there wasn't a lot of options off. There weren't a lot of options off the bench, and it was really hard when Mike wasn't in the game for the team to score. This season, uh, you know, you got Nelson. Obviously, Mike Apivi's done some more work at, at that two and three position. Um, but you have Trey Tennyson coming off the bench. You have Avery Anderson coming off the bench. Chuck O'Bannon can come off the bench and, and do some things for you. And so you have the ability to mix and match in the front court as well. You're deeper than you were a year ago. And I think there will be some opportunities for them to kind of switch in and out and come in waves this year, which is something they haven't been able to do in a while. Defense has to get better. Jamie Nixon, again, was frustrated at times with that. They gave up a corner three, like midway through the first half, that cut the lead to six, and he called like a frustration timeout. But somebody lost their man. Um, and so that, that has to get better. But I think part of that, too, is as this team continues to play and there's more communication, that will improve. And they might just not be as good defensively this year. I mean, you lost some really good – you lost a really good defender in Damian Ball. Um, 
and, and some guys also that were good at, at helping that defense connect. But I, I, I do believe that as as understanding of your assignments gets better and the team has a better feel for you know their rotations and knowing, okay, I can leave this guy and I know somebody's going to back me up, that that aspect of the game is going to get better. So 2-0 um, and playing well, looking good. They, I'm not sure if they play again this weekend or not. I'll, I'll look quickly to see what their next game is um, and, and see kind of where we're at. So Omaha and then uh, Tuesday on the, on the 14th they play UT Rio Grand Valley um, and then Mississippi Valley State next Friday. So that's your that's your next week update. And then they'll get into in December they'll get into some Power Five opponents: Georgetown, Clemson, Arizona State. A stretch there shortly before conference play. Uh, we'll be back with a post game show on Saturday night. Following the Texas game, win or lose, we'll have you covered. It's Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day.